in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Top 10 here in 2023. Well, well, we've made it. I am the outlaw, John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and uh, we're here to bring you another movie discussion uh, this week. But how are you? How was your New Year's? What'd you do? Uh, hung out with the lady taking care of the lady sister's puppies uh, is what we did. So we rang in the New Year with these two wonderful dogs. They spent the nights. Uh, we hung out with them in the morning and then went and grabbed a little bit of um, uh, lunch with her and her boyfriend, my girlfriend's sisters and her boyfriend. Yeah. And just hang out with them. So it was a lot of fun. It was very chill New Year. You know, at, at my age now, it's like, it's fun. It's cool. I just, you know, stay up if I can. If I don't, no big deal. Um, but it's nice to kind of ring in a new year, a new beginning, new feelings of uh, what can happen in 2023. So who knows? Um, but yeah, good overall. How about you? How was yours? Uh, it's great. Didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> um, New Year's. Stopped being fun for me a long, long time ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's just every year when I was younger, I think I only had like one or two insanely fun, memorable New Year's. Every yeah, other yeah, time yeah. Was, you're building up the expectations, you make all these grand plans, and it's it's another night out where now I'm you're paying three times as much for drinks or entry yeah. to this bar or whatever, and it's just like, ah, this is always underwhelming. Um, it's a big old drunken mess usually. Yeah, and I don't drink anymore. Right. This is a flat out drinking holiday. <laughs> this is St. Patrick's Day. This is basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, there's nothing else to do. So if you don't drink, it's just like, what? Am I going to go watch people drink shitty champagne? Like, I, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah. And I worked a bunch of uh, New Year's. Um, so it's just a, you know, it, it stopped being fun a long, long, long time ago. I think the last good one I had was like 20, I was 22 or three. And then everything after that was like, eh. Yeah. This was a lot of a waste. Yeah. So I don't care. But if if you love New Year's, man, I hope uh, whoever's listening or watching, I hope yeah. you had a blast. Yeah. 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 As well. Um. Yeah. Hope and and a uh, safe one as well. More than anything else, I hope you had a safe one. Um. <clears throat> I do want to take a moment here, Matt. Um. As we're recording this, uh, one of uh people who has been part of the community for our community and the Schmodown community and other communities, uh, Ben Rayner. Uh, sadly passed away, uh, had gotten sick a few days or a few weeks ago and um, passed away in his sleep. So uh, really good guy, really chill guy, fun guy to talk movies with whenever he popped up on shows. And so I know he was a supporter of the stuff we did as well. So just want to give a shout out to him and, uh, you know, send thoughts of comfort and love to his family. But just thank Ben for being a positive energy on the planet, man. And it's sad to see him go. We're all going to go, but you know, it's always sad to see someone go who has yeah. been the, you know, current supporter and stuff, you know, um, and a good dude. I was hanging out at, uh, my father-in-law's on Christmas day and, uh, -huh. uh his neighbor is this older couple. And the woman yeah. comes out somewhat hysterical 
and her son has come to pick her up. The husband was taken to the hospital. Oh no. And then an hour later she shows back up and is like, he passed away. And you're like, <sighs> Oh, on Christmas. Although I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, of all the days, that's not a bad one because mm. everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's trying to be kind to one another. Right. It's kind of how you want to remember this place. Yeah. As opposed to the vitriol that's 364 other days a year. Uh, but yeah, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And we're sitting outside and people are having cocktails and I was mm. smoking a cigar and she's telling us my husband passed and I'm sitting there puffing on a cigar like, fuck. <laughs> over here trying to have a nice day and at the same time you feel guilty we're like do you need anything and she's like no i'm fine do you feel like you should do something but i yeah. i've only talked to her one time ever mm, i right. still feel awful but she yeah. seemed at peace with it so yeah, yeah. it's an older couple maybe there was stuff going on and so you know well, yeah but, i think his yeah. health has been up and down over the past few years so it wasn't yeah. like it was out of left field yeah yeah uh just on christmas though like kids were coming over and Oh, that's fucking well. I mean, grown kids who are in their right. si- fifties and sixties. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because I think she's in her mid eighties or something like that. Oh wow, 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 wow. Or maybe late seventies, but I want to say mid eighties. I don't know. That age, they're all kind of the same. It's always me. about the after effect, right? I mean, the moment I think is certainly painful, but then it's the like, what do I do now? You know, especially with someone who's been around for so so long and been with yeah. you for so so long. There's always. A tough thing. I know my mom took about a year to figure that out. Um, so yeah, it's just a tough situation. So yeah, sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, you know, um, I wish I had more connection to the story than that, other than just experiencing the the moment. I don't have anything to to add to it, other than yeah. like it was just a heartbreaking uh, Christmas. You, your heart went out to him. So yeah. to Ben and to his family and to anybody else that experienced loss, yeah. Uh, recently or it's still still grieving you know thoughts and prayers absolutely absolutely uh well let's switch over did uh, did you do anything like did you go see anything have you caught up on anything like uh or has you just been just really just chilling out doing nothing but hanging out and having fun um when saw family like left his place and then went down to see my sister and her kids and my brother-in-law's family's in town so hung out with them for a little while and then uh came back here and uh uh, dealing with uh, stuff on the rental units. Oh, okay. Uh, they're both the renters are gone. So I was like, oh, okay. I told him, I was like, I'm going to go in, clean out the drains, just do mm. some random maintenance. And then upon doing the maintenance, I discovered a couple other things and that turned into oh. that's eaten up most of my week. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm glad I caught it. But yeah. So true, very true. Could have been more expensive down the road if you had. Yeah. yeah. One of them's going to be like the, uh, they have a water heater. We have a tankless one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got a water heater. So I was like, you know what? I should check the, uh, do you know what a sacrificial anode rod is? I wouldn't blame you if you don't. I know. I really don't. <laughs> so every water, water heater has this rod that you put down into it because uh-huh. the tank itself was made of steel. They put a coating on it, but water wants to attack the metal. Right. So you put a rod in there. In in Los Angeles, we use aluminum ones. Other people, I think, use magnesium. And the water, it's an easier metal for it to attack. So it eats that first instead of attacking the tank. Right. So I pulled that out, and it was utterly and completely destroyed because the water had eaten it to a degree that it was just gone, 100% gone. So I was like, oh. Well, when I did that, I flushed the tank, and then I put the rod in. I noticed the flush valve was leaking ever so slightly. But I was like, you know what? I'm already doing this. I'll replace that. And when I replaced that, like... It cleaned out a ton of stuff. 
then I finally replaced that. And the next day I noticed, oh, well, shit. Some of the dirt and stuff that was in there kicked up and it clogged the release valve, which is another Oof. valve. So then I had to replace the release valve. So it ended up being a three-day thing. I could have banged it out in one day had I known, right. oh, you just got to replace these three things. Right. But it was did one, then noticed there was another problem. It's like, well, it's late now. I'll attack that the next day. And then attack yeah. that and didn't see until the third day that there was a problem. So then I had to, then the asshole to put it in, fucking, instead of on the release valve, this is something you're going to have to check once a year and potentially <laughs> replace every couple. He uh, soldered in the copper pipe. Oh. So the only way to change it is to cut the copper pipe. So then oh, after wow. cut, pulling it out and replacing it, then I had to run new pipe for it. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this is supposed to be a simple. You shouldn't have done it like this, asshole. Right. First right. off, should have done it with some sort of release so I could pull this off and then fucking do this later. But uh, yeah, so that was just one of like seven <laughs> things I've done to the units. That's been a lot of my time over the past week. A bunch of simple things, but it's just like, ah, shit. Yeah. I was working on one sink and I noticed the dishwasher was leaking. It just piles up. Yeah, so then I had to pull apart the dishwasher to figure out, and then that that part arrived today. So that's the very last thing I have to do is replace the part. Oh, right. And the dishwasher okay. will be fine. <laughs> but it was like, I just finished one thing, and I noticed a tiny bit of water. It's like, where's that coming from? Oh, fuck, the dishwasher? And then have to pull out the dishwasher and then diagnose what the problem is. And then now I have to go up online and go through user manuals and be like, here's oh. what it is. And then, yeah, it's, uh, and then track down the part. Oh, no and uh, yeah, that's been my week. So no, I haven't gone to the movies. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of asking. Although I have watched a few things, I watched Violent Night, which I enjoyed. Well, dude, that was a lot of fun. It's oh a lot God. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Die Hard meets a little bit of Home Alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Harbor was great too. It had his tongue firmly planted in his cheek, and didn't yeah. skimp on the gore and the violence, which I nope. thought was a lot of fun to see for sure. Yeah, the, it's, uh, I liked Leguizamo, which is yeah. kind of rare for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. He's kind of settling into this veteran place now um, with his career, it feels like. Like, you know, he's the voice of Papa John's now, and he's... <laughs> sure. They reach out to him to play these kind of characters like this, where he's kind of the lead bad guy, where in the past he's been part of the ensemble bad guys. Yeah, so, John Wick, he's like a, he's the good bad guy. He right. runs that uh, garage. Yeah. I liked him in Waco, if you ever saw that. Oh, God, Waco was great. Yeah. yeah I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he plays, um, what were the agents? Was it ATF? Yeah, the ATF agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he plays one of the agents, like the first one on the scene kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He was good in that. He's also okay. started ta like speaking up and talking out about stuff, like uh, now that he's been in the business for so long, so it carries weight because he has the experience. Right. Yeah. And so it's been kind of interesting to see him stepping forward as this kind of like, cause he had been the goofy dude who was, you know, raging against the machine for a long time as a Latino. Now to see him with a bit more perspective as an older veteran of the game, uh, doling out his advice and his pointed criticism. It's, it's actually kind of cool to see this from John. Cause I didn't yeah. anticipate this from him, you know, kind of like Martin no, all of a sudden becoming, you know, Martin Lawrence all of a sudden becoming this like real, uh, statesman of the business you're just like what martin lawrence and it's like so yeah it just kind of changes your mind about things yeah to see his growth because when he first erupted on the scene i just didn't like him no i know a lot of people didn't a lot i hated his one-man shows that were on mm -hmm. hbo mm -hmm. uh, it's just i don't much care for one-man shows yeah 
are one person shows because there's also the Whoopi special that got her movies after that right, that right, I think right. is pretty terrible as well. Right. Although it's kind of a sign of a different time. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Go back and watch those old ones. They're, I mean, I think Robin's is Robin Williams is holds up like those specials of his, they hold up. Yeah. Some of these other ones, you're just like, Oof, uh, okay, I guess we were into that at that time. I don't, there was a lot of them, man. Yeah. There are very few, like I would like to have seen Chaz Palminteri's because Bronx tales, what <sighs> came out of that. Yeah, 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 that could have been interesting, but most yeah. of the others, when they're doing characters, it's like I don't. Right, right. This is not. I can't believe this was a thing. Especially like Whoopies to me is. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Years ago, when it first yeah, like, yeah. When it first came out, I saw it. I was like, yeah, this isn't for me so much. But yeah. No, no. Just it's. I mean, yeah. does it show the individual has range? Yeah, yeah. and and Whoopi's a talent. I'm not mm-hmm. saying in Leguizamo as well. It's just by the sheer fact of I didn't like him when he came out. Now I enjoy him when he's in things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the one-person show, man, it's just... You see those like on Santa Monica Boulevard, all those small little theaters? Dude, yeah. And it's one one-person show after another, and it's like, oh, I can't imagine being subjected to that or it having just... to work at those theaters. Oh. <laughs> Seeing the same crap show night in, night out. This is my crazy family. And it's just like, oh, God. Because you heard me, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's always the finale. Why didn't you play catch with me? (laughs) Oh, my God. Someone could just go hug this person. So we and don't look, we're not making people. fun because obviously better help as sponsors us. We're just saying that people working out their issues through theater yeah. rather than seeing a therapist. Maybe exactly. Having best. people pay money to watch them do a therapy session yeah. is not my idea of a good time. I agree. I agree. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I had, I had a number of friends who did put those up in the early two thousands and I had to oh. go see them and I just, I wanted to slam my head into a wall. Like it just was, how could you not so rough? Not because I didn't think they were talented or not because I didn't think they they were great it's some of the style like i don't need to know this about you like i don't need to know this stuff and i don't need to because it always ends up with i'm the victim i yeah. am here's right. my trauma yeah here's my trauma i was right the whole time in everything they were wrong yeah uh, i rarely saw one person show regardless of gender where it was boy i really fucked up in a number of places here you know and it was always like they hurt me. They messed me up. This is why I did the things that I did because of them. And there's no real resolution to that, in my opinion. There's no taking responsibility or accountability for your actions. You no. may have been influenced by those situations, but you still made the decision to do certain things as a free-thinking adult. So I'd, I, I'm more interested in one-person shows that actually uh, explore the vilification of themselves and also the therapy they got to climb out of that and understand the mistakes that they made and the accountability and still yeah. taking accountability. That's more interesting. Yeah, the adult parts of it. Yeah, right. The, exactly. The growth and the maturation, not the wallowing in yeah. everybody else has wronged. I mean, just think of it like this. Pick any random character from Barry. And imagine them doing an hour of how they got basically <laughs> oh, God. the rationale. No. That is that is every actor in this town that I've ever met. So true. I love that so show true. for that. Yeah. Every audition no. I've been on where I don't see another comic and you see uh, <laughs> some actors I've met were cool. And I'd see them at, at some of the same sure. auditions because we just have a general white guy look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but then there were others like just watching it. And you're like, wow, dude, this is yeah. impressive. And it, you're 100% right. War- yeah, that's 
That's why when I watch Barry, I, I, you know, I've said, I don't know if I said this on the show before. I probably have, but like, I get PTSD watching the um, acting, uh, acting class scenes. They just drive me insane because I've been in those classes. I've been, I've worked on shows with people just like that, and you're always like, so, like, how do you not see what you're doing here and how you sound and the things that you're saying? Um, and so you know, it's mm-hmm. it's. It just has t- it makes it tough to watch Barry. So, like everything outside the acting classes, I love to pieces. Every time we go into the acting classes, I start getting the face twitch as we're watching. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I never subjected myself to that. Oh man, it's the worst. It's the yeah. worst. It just oh. for commercials, I was told you don't need it. Smartly so. so. Smartly yeah, so I was like, all right, well, I don't have to. And that was from people that booked, and they were all mm-hmm. like. You don't have to take acting classes. So long as you're good in front of a camera, you're fine. Okay, yeah. that's fine. They'll know uh, immediately. They'll know. Sometimes yeah. they know as you're saying your name in the slate whether you're the right person or not. So, 100. percent Yeah. If you've sat in, I, I'm sure you've done it. I've done it uh, where they're short on guys. Oh you, yeah. Or, or, or your part, and you have to run. Yes. I've done five, six, seven in a row, and of that, you walk away and be like, "Well, that one person was great." Yeah. Yeah that person not their day this person right. no chance whatever but then you see enough of them and you're like you know that person's got it right whether or not they can do it it doesn't always mean they're the ones that the director picks no. too which is always so mind-blowing you're like this is so obviously the choice how are you not choosing this person and- yeah i did an audition with a little girl once mm. and she crushed she didn't get it but when walking out her mom was there and she was mm-hmm. like how'd she do and I was like, look, if she enjoys this, she's really good. Yeah. She's genuinely good. So if she does like going to these things, then I would have her continue to do it. And then right after that, I saw her on TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. On something. I'm like, good for her, man. Because she has a, like just a natural charisma. She yeah. didn't care that people were watching and she could deliver her lines and she had a lot of fun. Like, she's got it. Whatever it's it is. It's always fascinating, fascinating to watch talent that is mature beyond their years. It's always yeah. like, you're like, wow. How did you make that happen? Uh, yeah, I remember we had a conversation in the audition and uh, mm. just the idea about as an adult, if I wanted to, I could have cake every day. And her mind, <laughs> her little mind was blown. He's like, yeah. And you're like, look, who's going to tell me no? Exactly. My parents live a, a long ways away. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have cake every day. This was the audition because it was just basically like interact. Here's yeah. the product. Play with the product a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it was one of those of they're going for a look. Yeah. I oh, don't yeah. know that there's going to be any lines in this. If there are, it's like one, but it's a look thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, which I didn't book. Uh, it was, uh, what was that place called Bullseye Casting on oh. Beverly, right across from Pan Pacific? You oh, about yes. The one that was on the second floor? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, liked I, me over there. I went over there oh, a lot. Yeah, I never they, booked one thing. Yeah. But I caught, uh, I got called in there a lot. Me too, man. Yeah, I, I was. That was right down the street from my house. Yeah, I would, you could walk I would there. walk to audition sometimes if I left a little bit early, and I wasn't going to sweat that day. Walking to the audition, I would just walk to the audition. It was great because then I could just head over to the Grove and grab something, you know. And so I remember that. Yeah, those were the, the, there was like a tall redhead guy who ran a lot of the sessions. Yeah, that he I was, was my favorite of all their casting yeah. directors. He was yeah. excellent. Yes, because he actually gave you direction. He actually gave you a shot to do it right. And you believed him when he said you got it. You're like you got the yeah. uh, gist of the commercial. So yeah, I agree. He was great. Yeah, yeah. I never 
Nope, never booked one. Got called back a number of times, got to an avail on a couple of them, but never booked it through them once. So, but it was nice to keep getting called back for sure. Yeah. Those were the Yeah, and that's that's all you had, like a casting director that knows what they're looking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just like boom, this is what we need. And then if you, you know, first take ends and be like, all right, change this. And yeah. I think you got the rest and you're like, okay, just give good, solid direction. That's all you're looking for. Yeah, that's all you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. as older actors. Like, we fucking done, you know, I was just reading a, real quick, I was reading an um, uh, interview with Ryan Johnson talking about, because Angela Lansbury has a cameo in Knives Out. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, he was like telling her what, like, what the story was. And she, was she stopped him midway through the story and just said, just tell me what the lines are and what you want the lines to mean and I'll do it. And that's, that's, that's a veteran actor. Just tell me yeah. what you want. I'm only in here for a few seconds of the movie. So just tell me what you want the lines to mean. And I will absolutely convey that in my performance. So let's go. And that's what you want. hundred percent. Yeah. She's done a million things. Trust me. Yeah. I can deliver your lines. You don't have to sell me. Exactly. exactly. I like knives out. Seems like a lot of fun. Tell me what you need. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Anyway, um, we should get into the list here, Matt, uh, unless you want to talk about anything else. No. What, what are you feeling? Okay. All right. Let's do it. Uh, so we're going to count down the top 10 Francis McDormand movies. Uh, and this is because uh, Women Talking is mm-hmm. coming out in theaters. I have not seen it yet as of this recording. Um, I've heard mixed things from a number of my friends who have seen it. So I'm kind of just waiting to either see it in the theater or maybe a screener shows up and I take a look at it. Because I could, I just I did not like the Fablemans. And so I'm really worried I might not like women talking. And I like every actress in the in the damn movie. So we'll see. My yeah, is, but Francis is great. So we chose Francis to do for the show. This is going to be a weird Oscars. Yeah. This is going to be a weird Oscars because I don't have a single thing where I'm like, that is leaps and bounds better. Or that's my favorite. Yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah. Like multiple movies are going to win different awards. And it feels like that. And you don't even know if the Academy is going to nominate Top Gun Maverick, even though it won the National Board Review, whatever. Yeah, I think it will. I think they'd be crazy yeah. not to. Yeah, I agree. You got 10 movies. Yeah. Now Avatar was- shows up. Are they throwing Avatar in there? So be very curious. Um, maybe special effects. Sure special <laughs> no, effects. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people saying they should be nominated for best picture. I'm just telling you. I, hey, I haven't seen a single person say that online. What? Really? I swear I, to God. I'll but I also to... haven't been searching it out. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but usually it would percolate up. Yeah. Um, because I've seen I've seen Top Gun, I've seen everything everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh well, I'm saying the discussion of this should be yeah, yeah, yeah. best picture. Uh, I mean, the Banshees of Inishirin, I've seen yeah. some, you know, a lot of people clamoring for. Banshees is good. Yeah. I think Everything Everywhere would be my choice. Yeah. I think I would default to that as well. Yeah. I would say that as well, just for the inventiveness of the film, you know? Yeah. The connection, but ultimately it's just a, a story about a family. Yeah. Yeah. With all the multiverse stuff, it's about a story yeah. about a family. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it works really well. Um, yep. All across the board, performances all across the board. Oh, great. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we're doing- but yeah, we're so we're doing Francis McDormand. Um, a fantastic career. Yes. Worked in a ton of different things. Um, she also has the which, which happens to quite a few uh excellent actors, they mm. pop up for small things in good movies. Yes. 
So yes. I do have some of those on my list. I try to honor where she is one of the main leads or if not yeah. the main, main lead. Right. Uh, but there are a couple that uh, I added in and her part is small, but the movie okay. overall is good. So okay. that was, that was the only. Right. Uh, that was the only that qualifier. Yeah. But, uh, and then I waited accordingly. <laughs> so if, well, if your part is small, even if the movie is amazing, I'm going to put yeah. it lower on the list. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I went by, I went by, um, is her performance, does it stand out? Uh, and the size of the performance, you know, cause she's been a number of ensemble films like Raising yeah. Arizona, but I'm not going to put Raising Arizona in it because her part is not that big, but she's distinct. So it certainly was in contention, but in the end, I didn't put that movie in. I don't know if you have it on this, but I didn't because I felt her part was still. Well, you know, that's why people have different lists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You're that's right. the thing. So, you know, to right. each their own yeah, type of course. situation. That's the slogan of the top 10 show. Absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, let's count. Do you want to tell them how show works or shall we just jump into it, man? Uh, I, I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we've revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. That's the fastest, best way you've ever done it. That's great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Let's do it. Uh, so at 10... Uh, easily, I think her smallest part, uh, a movie called Lone Star. You ever seen oh, it? Yeah, I remember that one. Right. Uh, Chris. Uh, uh, yeah, Chris it? Cooper. Yes. A young McConaughey. Uh, yeah. Chris Christopherson. Elizabeth um, Pena, I think, is in this as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shit. There's another Latino guy who's been in a million things. He plays like his head deputy who's eventually going to run for sheriff himself. Oh, right. Okay. Um, is that Machoso? That might be Machoso. I don't I'll know. have to look it up because then you also have the the guy that was the head engineer in T two. Right, Joe they, Morton. Joe Morton. Yeah, he's yeah. in it. He plays the colonel of the base, and his dad is also a character actor uh, yeah. that you've seen before. Um, trying yeah. to think if there's anybody else in it that you may or may not know, but Francis McDormand is Cooper's. Uh, ex-wife and it's a yeah. really small scene mm -hmm. um kind of gives you a backstory of where he was because he was trying to escape right. the shadow of his father and he ran away and ended up in a marriage um with a woman um they let's just say they were ill-suited to be <laughs> to say the least to, to say, say the least, least. Yeah, yeah. i mean she goes to the she's at her house and she goes to a counter and there's like six prescription bottles yeah. there and she's kind of all over the place walking around talking and whatnot so it seems like maybe she's a little uh high strung or yeah. or whatever else maybe it could be a byproduct of all the medication she's on i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know the full back backstory of the character um but she pulls it off i believe that she's in it and it's in essence a story of chris christopherson is a sheriff it's a uh border town in texas yeah and he's the county sheriff and back in the 50s, he was under everybody's thumb and uh, he goes missing. And yep. Chris Cooper is the son of Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey yep. takes over as sheriff and Cooper thinks that his dad may have been the one that killed him. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. So it's him trying to get to the bottom of what exactly happened 50 years or 40 years before. Yeah. Because they find what they believe is Christopherson's body out in the desert after all these years. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's just like, well, what happened? Why did this happen? Type of thing. And it's an exploration of all the different characters. Uh, it's super interesting. It's engaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like how they do the segues between the flashbacks. I thought it was just a really simple way where they're in the same room and the camera just kind of pans over. And then as it's sweeping, sweeps back down and then boom, we're back in present day. Yeah. Uh, and they just do that over and over. And it's a, it's a really great way to pull the old back into the new and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and some solid uh, performances from a bunch of people that you're like, Oh yeah, you're going to, I'm going to see a lot of you in the coming years. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, really good overall. Yeah. I remember seeing this one in the theater, uh, one of the small ones, one of those small independent films. Uh, and this is McConaughey right at the beginning of McConaughey. Near, or, near, he uh, looks so young. Yeah, he does. He looks like a baby in this. Yeah, movie. he looks even younger than Days of Confused, even though Days of Confused was before. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprise and Elizabeth Pena is fantastic in this film. And, of course, we sadly lost her early in, you know, kind of just recently in the last few years. And so, you know, at a younger age. And it was a shame because she was such a damn good actress. And something like this where she's getting a chance to shine as a Latina actress, which is so rare. And I'm not talking about Lopez or all those kinds of things. Those are or Salma Hayek, those are fun things. Obviously, Frida is, is something else, but like Elizabeth Pena was one of those ones. Like from La Bamba on, she was one of those actresses that was always delivering really strong performances. And so getting a chance to be a lead in a film like this uh, and going through what she goes through with with uh, uh, with the actors there on the film is just great to see. So, But yeah, you're right. John Sayles wrote and directed this one. He's so good mm-hmm. at, at writing these kinds of films. And it's an interesting story. It's engaging. Uh, and where it goes and the twists and turns. And when you get to the finale, you're just like, oh, wow. That, that's yeah, the choice cool. that they make. And they're like, all right, I yeah. can respect that. Because um, I'm not sure if it were a studio film, I don't think it has that ending. Oh, good good point. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But anyway, so that's my 10. Yeah. What's your nine? Uh, at nine, I've got Burn After Reading. Oh, go ahead, man. That's all you. That's all you. It's the it's it's yeah. the pure zaniness of Cohen's without letting the situation go zany. So the characters, her characters, uh, she works at a health club yeah. along with uh, Brad Pitt, and they're both kind of um how how to put this off kilter, off kilter. I was going to say light of mind, especially <laughs> Brad Pitt light of mind is good yeah yeah he's not i, I don't know that he's you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer yeah. yeah um and the two of them stumble upon what they think are potentially classified documents yeah and then the the absurdity of the situation they get into because then there's Clooney and his characters so conspiracy riddled that he's always looking over his shoulder, but he's kind of over the top. The interesting thing about all of this is Malkovich, who has turned into this guy who basically is paid to chew the scenery now in films, is kind of one of the most centered characters in the movie by comparison to everybody else around him. Uh, But watching everybody kind of bounce off of one another, and then you've got uh, Tilda Swinton Mm -hmm. and J.K. Simmons and Richard Jenkins... And it's just a solid cast, top to yep. bottom. Um, but I liked uh, McDormand a lot in this, as because she's kind of pushing the story along as mm-hmm. she's trying to obtain more and more things, in the hopes of being able to turn it into uh, money that she can use for her own plastic surgery. 
which is a solid motivation, especially given that she works in a health club. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm buying into that. Um, I thought it was just okay coming out of the theater and then mm-hmm. rewatching it a few years after. I was like, I enjoyed it. I, I, my hope is that's what happens with Hail Caesar for me. Oh, yeah. Is that when I go to rewatch it again, that I, I get a little bit more of it, which Burn after reading, walking out, I was like, yeah, you know, fun to see the Coens again. And then yeah. upon rewatching it, and I think I've seen it twice since, mm. uh, just because it's the Coen, so I'm going to keep giving them shots. It's right. grown on me a little bit more with each passing uh, watch. So for that, I put it at nine. Nice. I like it. Um, okay, so what's your eight? Uh, my eight is almost famous. That's my eight. Yeah. Good she stuff. plays uh, the mom yeah. of the lead character. Uh, basically, in essence, uh, Cameron Crowe's mom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, she's yeah, rightly like, the call, the the alarm bell uh, sounding. Yeah, I like the I like the energy that she brings to the film because, of course, you've got Zoe Deschanel as his sister, and she's the one that's kind of trying to break out of the family and march out on her own. He more kind of stumbles into it and gets taken mm-hmm. um, on this journey, and she is like a good mom, just constantly worried, constantly checking in to make sure he's okay and i mean the scene where she dresses down the guys is so funny and so great and this is francis just bringing that maternal energy that powerful maternal energy she has and she's done in other films to this film but there's also a sweetness and a tenderness you can tell she loves her son you can tell in those interactions even his her daughter who would work so hard to break away from her that moment where they come back together is just really sweet so yeah she's so good in the movie and so essential as this kind of anchor because everyone is these wild characters, um, except her son, of course, who's it's kind of this really awkward guy trying to figure out. But she is this kind of center in all of it, you know, which is so essential for that film. Yeah, there's nothing quite like being scolded by somebody else's mom. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's really unsettling. When it works, too. I've been in that situation where me and. <laughs> yeah. Like we're all doing dipshit stuff as friends, and then you get scolded, and you're like, "Hey, it feels like when my mom does it." Like, <laughs> it's, it's the whole "I'm disappointed in you" situation. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, uh, type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few of those. The worst is when it's someone who's super sweet. Yeah, uh, one of my buddy's moms, and she is the kindest woman you're ever going to meet. Yeah, and uh, one of our friends was just being an asshole. And, you know, mess some stuff up at their house. And she was just like, why? Why? Type of thing. And we're all lumped in together because we saw him doing it. I I didn't think it would escalate to that point, but we didn't stop him. Right, right. And then she was like scolding us. I was like, yeah, you're you're not wrong. I wanted to kind of go and stand next to her and be like, yeah, guys. (laughs) She's right here. Yeah. But you're not. You're in the wrong. So you just kind of got to take. I felt, I felt, I still remember that feeling. Oh, yeah, man. She is the nicest woman. Yeah. That's the worst yeah. when you get the yeah. nice ones to be upset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a good film. I'm up for a rewatch. I'm due for a rewatch on Almost Famous. It's been a bit, so I should put that on there. Um, all right, so the my number 10 is a Coen Brothers film, The Man Who Wasn't There. All right, go for it. I love this film, man. A black and white, old school film set, I think, in the 40s or 50s. And... Um, Shades of Lolita, shades of uh, a double indemnity because it's a bit of a noir. But Billy Bob Thornton is this traveling salesman, I think, who Gandolfini's his boss, and uh, Francis McDormand is involved here between them. 
Scarlett Johansson is the woman he kind of wants to go after this young virginal thing that he wants to go after. And he's like really tempted. Um, and Francis is just this great energy in the film. So good in calling him out for his stupidity, calling him out on the stuff that's going on and her interactions with Gandolfini are great as well. Um, and it's just such an interesting character because Francis is, has this ability to play these matron roles, these mother roles, but also a little bit of these um, femme fatale stuff. Like she has sure. that element within her and you can see it come through in this movie when things start to, um, how can I say this? When things start to, when the twists and turns start to happen, her role in all of it is really fascinating as it grows in, in the movie. So I just really enjoyed her performance. Billy Bob is great. The film, so is James and so is Scarlett, but I really enjoy what she does in the movie a lot, you know, cause it's so unexpected from her and it's nice to see that as a color on her as an actress. Yeah. I need to, I think I need to rewatch this one. I haven't seen mm. it since I originally saw it. Okay. Um, so a little trade. Maybe it's time for you to watch Almost Famous again. <laughs> Put it together, man. Yeah. Time um, for me to watch this one. <laughs> so my number nine then is is Primal Fear. I don't know if that's a punt for you or not. That's a that's a punt. Okay, fair enough. It's the part wasn't you know so, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, all right. So what's your seven? Uh, my uh, seven is uh, you're never going to believe this. Primal Fear. Wow. So there you go. That is a punt. <laughs> Just throwing that in. I mean, it's all right. Well, it's hard. It is list. a small part. I mean, she plays the uh, psychologist. I yeah. guess she's not a psychiatrist. I think she's a psychologist that determines that he is these split personalities. Yeah. She kind of validates it. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that what Richard Gere has seen and uh, those that work in his office, like other. Uh, duality of this individual existing yeah. as two separate entities simultaneously um so you need her she's pivotal because it helps really cement the momentum of where the yeah. story is going yeah yeah so that when the the twist happens it's all the more effective because everything has kind of been pushing towards this one inevitability and mm -hmm. it gets there and then you realize it was not what you expected yeah yeah that's yeah. a yeah it's a Shambalanian like twist mm -hmm. without the need for hey I got to put a twist in my movie right yeah 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 she's really good because right because you it, and again you bring a character actress like this on oh she's obviously a lead as well but she's really a character actor you bring her on and you make her the psych psychologist as you said it immediately sorry it immediately gives that character a weight to it that it normally maybe wouldn't have with another actress. And so it's great to have Francis in there and her back and forth with Richard, her back and forth with uh, Edward Norton. Uh, I think she has a scene with Linny as well, when she's kind of explaining what she thinks is going on. I, I think all of it works mm -hmm. so well and gives more validity to you going along with the fact that this kid does have this within him. So you, you buy into it. So the twist works when you realize that he doesn't. And it's yeah. great, you know. So yeah, smart cast. Yeah, put her in that role. I mean, God, Ed Norton just crushing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. For an opening role, absolutely flat out crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love Damon talking about not getting that role. Yeah. It's, it's a great story talking about everybody was out for that one, and then you see what Norton did with it, and you're like, well, you know, 
Not sure that I could. And I don't think I don't think Damon could have done that at that time. I agree. It's that rare moment with an actor where you go, you know what? They did choose the right person when they did. Yeah, choose. they did. Yeah. Because the names that he lists of like everybody was up for it. He rattles off a few of them. And in my head, I'm like, I don't think any of those guys could have done better than Norton. I think yeah. Norton crushed that later on. Sure. Right. Uh, as you right. Damon with talented Mr. Ripley certainly, certainly showed what he could do with the Yeah. Like, but he'd had a few runs at being mm-hmm. in movies and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, plus, Norton can really turn on the shit heel. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it, and I just don't see that from Damon. Not yeah. like that. I was reading a thing t- yesterday about Courtney Love, or maybe it was this morning. God, dude, I get up so early now. I don't know if it's yesterday or today. But like, Courtney Love was talking about how she got railroaded out of Fight Club because at the time she was dating Edward Norton. She apparently booked the Helena Bottom Carter part, according to her, right? Yeah. And she said the reason that she got asked to go off the film uh, was because Brad Pitt approached her with Gus Van Sant to do, uh, or Fincher, one of those to do uh, a Kurt Cobain biopic. They wanted hmm. to, Brad Pitt wanted to play Kurt Cobain. Apparently, Courtney lost her mind. She said, I went nuclear. That Brad Pitt thought he thinks he could in any way capture Cobain's essence. And he was, she was dating Norton at the time. And according to her, um, Norton was the one that had to break the news to her that she was now not in the movie because of her explosion at Brad Pitt. Fincher and all the reps denied it immediately that she was ever cast in the role. But and Courtney has been known to be a bit of a how can I say this embellisher, uh, and so but Edward she said Edward was crying and telling her, she said I have no power I have no pull blah 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 so that was a funny little Edward Norton story thrown in here um, with I mean I can't say that I've ever heard that before yeah yeah could be true who knows I suppose I just don't I never trust Courtney about anything you know well she was right about Weinstein. <laughs> She was the first person that anybody. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's that video of her and be like, right. what type of advice would I give to a girl? And this was years yeah, before. Right about that shit. Maybe I should rethink this then. Maybe you're right. Yeah. That's the only thing. If that didn't exist, I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I, I've never heard that. Yeah, and outside of Larry Flint, which yeah. he was in with Ed. Um, I can't think of anything else that I've ever seen her in. The man in the moon, man in the moon. Oh, uh, man in the moon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I thought the, those were the two big ones in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could recast her in man of the moon. I think she was pretty perfect in Larry Flint. Oh, good point. Yes. You could absolutely have another actress do that part in man in the moon. Yeah. She was just uniquely perfectly made for people versus Larry Flint. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. So where are we at? Your six. Uh, my six is the movie that you were chastising before. <laughs> I was not chastising. Just you were. Her role is small. You're like a mom standing across from me and all my friends. <laughs> Her role is small. And I love the movie so much. And the that's, movie's great. I'm that's good. where I was push and pull, and I was like, "Do I want to add this? Do I?" Want to? And I was like, "Well, she's in it." So, <laughs> if we're just saying quality of movies, this is like a top two or three. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I love Raising Arizona. It's, I saw it in the theater as a kid, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it, but I didn't get it. Yeah. Because I was, whenever that came out, 1980 what? Ooh, 86 maybe? Okay. Maybe. Uh, or maybe it's 89. 
It might have been 89. I know it was in the summer-ish. Huh? Raising Arizona uh, is 87. Oh, off by 87. year. I'm always off by a fucking year, man. Yeah, 87. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I was eight years old. This is not a movie for eight-year-olds. No, it's not in any way, shape, no. or form a movie for eight-year-olds. But I love the zaniness of Nick Cage's performance. Oh, so yeah. that I found that engaging. So good. And uh, But as an adult, like all his choices, I think, are just so magnificent. Yeah. And then she, uh, Francis plays the wife of, uh, I guess, would you say she's more friends with Holly Hunter, or would you say that High is more friends with her husband? High is more friends with her husband, which is why she gets brought in because okay. he wants to swing. Know, yeah, and and they, yeah, and as in two swung, uh, they, I guess, were workmates. Yeah, that's the, I think that you're right. Kind of sparks this whole thing, but yeah, I mean, and when you find out that she's trying to steal the baby as well, you're like, holy fuck, man, this thing is insane. And she'd been the sweetest person up until that point. Trying to help Holly Hunter and give her advice and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, talking about you know you got to take care of things now. Ah, yeah, yeah. They're sitting yeah. at that that picnic bench. Yeah. Um, her part is Shots. tiny though. I do feel somewhat guilty about it, no. but at the same time, I love the movie, so I was like, yeah. ah, it's making my list. She's yeah. in it. I don't think anyone's going to fault you. It's such a yeah. great film. Uh, I love that movie. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Uh. So my number seven is the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, I tried to watch it for this show. Once again, Shakespeare is impenetrable. I did. I got like 10 minutes in and I'm still, I'm doing the thing that I always do. I need to see it like 15 times to get through it. to understand because I'm processing precisely what was just said in the previous sentence. And now we're two sentences beyond. And I'm like, well, I don't, whatever that information that was, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm tuned into this moment. And then you can, like, at least I can, I can follow for a few yeah. lines and then something is said and you're like, Oh, what is that? So that's a metaphor for like, boom, we're moving on. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, I, I genuinely tried. I was like, I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, but please. No, man, no worries. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. You know, I mean, I'm a, you know, I just, Shakespeare's always, for whatever reason, it's always spoken to me since I was like fucking 10. I've always loved it. And so I didn't always understand it, though. I hear you 100%. I don't know how many times I'd have to like, go back and reread stuff in high school or in college or when I came back to college and with some of the stuff, it wasn't until I went to London and kind of studied with uh, an RSC person that I was like, Oh, Oh. And so it just kind of clicked. So seeing Denzel take this role on, I was very excited because, you know, this is around the age where you should play at Macbeth, which is in your forties and fifties. Although Denzel's in his sixties, you know, he's black don't crack. He looks like he's in his fifties. Um, but the choice of Francis was really surprising yet perfect. You know, I mean, if, when you think of a lady Macbeth, Francis, the ability to play someone who is egging you on to commit these heinous crimes, then covers them up, up for you. But then the guilt consumes her. Francis is just tailor made to play a role like that. And I thought she was good in the movie. It's not higher on my list because I do think the performance isn't a hundred percent there. But I think she is good, just not great. And so she's so good that she's good enough to be on the list, but not in the top five. Um, and I do like the movie. I liked him going back to German, was it German Expressionism, the the Murnau stuff and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari stuff. Really smart by Joel to do that. Um, and it really captured it. But 
Um, I, I was hoping for more from her performance. And certainly Denzel got there. But it's good enough to make the list. And I like the movie enough to put it here at seven. So that's why it's there. Sounds fair. I, uh, yeah. I wish I did, man. I wanted to. <laughs> I get it, dude. It's too it. much. It can be. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Uh, my number six is uh, Dark Man, the Sam Raimi film. Uh, go for it. Okay. All right. I like this film. It's super cheese. I don't know. The people are probably listening going, wait, you like a Raimi film? Right. I do like uh, some Raimi films. For... I'm going to use a restroom real quick. Yeah, go ahead, man. I, I do like them for what they try to do. And I think this film certainly has is a fun, fun film. Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand have great chemistry together. I think Francis is fantastic in the role. She is kind of like, you know, the, the love interest type thing. But there's genuine connection between her and Neeson in the role that they play as a couple. And then, of course, when he what happens to him happens to him. She's so kind of like um, the way they built certain characters in the 90s and 80s, certain female characters where they are. They're so sweet and nice that you're like, you get why this guy's in love with him, her and why he wants her back. I wouldn't say virginal. It's just this sweetness to them. Um, and so you go like, okay, I get it. And you kind of connect to the character of wanting to get her back. And of course she kind of falls in with the evil dude who maybe was behind the whole thing. And then what happens? So she plays all these moments really well. And she realizes that Liam is back and is her former boyfriend who she grieved his death thinking he had died. Um, it works really well. And she does a great job with it. And I like, even at the end, they don't make her this kind of, damsel in distress she gets a she gets to participate in the taking out of the heel of the villain which i like and i thought she it was a unusual role for her to play and i thought the role worked so well and um and it's one of those ramies that actually works for what he what he was trying to do and i've always thought it was a crime that there wasn't a sequel with both of them there have been numerous sequels and they're all fucking terrible but to have had liam back with francis would have been awesome so that's my uh, two cents on that one. So there you go. Um, yeah, my brother loved it as a kid, mm. but I don't think I've ever actually seen it all the way through. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I tried watching it with him. It wasn't really my cup of tea, so I just mm. didn't really participate. And then Understood. never gone back to uh, revisit it. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we take a break before we jump into our top fives? Uh, that we should. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Hear this word from our sponsor. Be right back after this. There we go. And uh, jumping into our top five. Do it. At uh, five, I have uh, Nomadland. Uh, that is a slight punt. Okay. So that's what I'll say. Well, you said it. <laughs> All right. So then my number five is uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Go right ahead. Oh, I love this movie, man. I absolutely love this movie. It's one of my favorite Wes Anderson. Um, the kids are great, but Francis and Bill Murray, their chemistry is top notch. And her as the frustrated mom trying to get through to her um, independent daughter who wants to do her own thing and wants to walk her own path. And um, also being a lawyer and carrying on this affair with Bruce Willis behind Bill Murray's back. It just works so well. The little quiet moments with her, the back and forth with everybody. Um, and then when she gets involved near the end uh, with what's going on with their relationships, just hilarious. Just so much fun to see her play a role like this. And it's such, again, another reason to give her love here is, just, again, another necessary energy in a movie 
you need that because uh, Bill is way off uh, off his mind, uh, out of his mind, rather mad at what's going on. She's more pragmatic and she's trying to stabilize it, even though she's in a loveless marriage and she has to end this relationship with Bruce Willis eventually. So there's so much going on that she does so well in the movie and captures that kind of motherly energy that you need to have in this film that still allows her daughter to walk her own path, but also tries to rein her in at times because she's worried about where it might lead for her. So yeah, just great stuff. Really enjoyed her in the film. And I like the movie a lot. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. What's your four? I'm yeah. I, I'm just sad as it is. I am Anderson out. Yeah. I hear you. We might be too. I still have not seen French dispatch. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Isle of dogs. Uh, I thought was fine. I like that. I love dogs. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a while mm. since I was just mesmerized by one of his. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, so what's your four? Uh, my four is Mississippi Burning. That's my four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, she plays the uh, wife of a deputy who is uh, played by Brad Dorif. Yeah. Who is a Klansman. Mm-hmm. And uh, may or may not have something to do with uh, the disappearance of three civil rights activists. Yeah. Um, with uh, Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe and uh, let's see. Uh, Arlie Ermey. Yes. Arlie Ermey. Um, Kevin Dunn. From, Kevin Dunn, the dude from Veep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or the dad from Transformers. <laughs> sure well i'm just saying for a movie going audience if you didn't yeah. watch veep he was the That's dad true. he was mr witwicky <laughs> yes him and julie white yeah um Shram witwicky trying to think who else oh um yeah i forget the black actor's name who they hired to kind of threaten the mayor's balls oh uh, yeah i don't remember the young kid went on to be the eldest brother on family matters Mm, okay yeah right the breacher kid yeah 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 couldn't tell you his name for the life of me but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i know that yeah, yeah yeah oh um michael rooker right one of the oh yeah michael rooker yeah just playing just a perfect racist oh my god i mean there's there's never been an actor created better to play a perfect racist than michael rooker it's He's such a great job dude i'm so happy that his career has lasted long enough yeah Agreed. To where it's something like this, where he didn't get typecast as, mm-hmm. hey, we need a Southern racist. You know who's great at that? Because it is, it's it's note for note, pitch perfect. Yeah. yeah. The amount of anger and hatred in his eyes in those yeah. scenes is, it feels authentic. It feels genuine. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Ned Ryerson is in the movie. Ned! Oh, yeah. Uh, Tobolowsky. Yeah, Stephen Tobolowsky, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you ever listen to his podcast? No, he has a podcast. I don't know if I doubt he still does it. He did it for a while. Okay. Just has because he's worked in so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he teaches so a class many in LA. Yeah, yeah. It just the stories. I only listen to a couple of them, but everybody's like, "Oh, it's amazing the stories this guy has." Really? Oh, wow! I should listen to it because he just intersects with so many different individuals. Right, right. Such a great character actor. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, um, oh, now I'm going to blank on his name. Shit. Emmett Walsh? No. 
No, but it is another three. Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, yeah. Every he was friends with everybody. Right. So the stories they have, it's like, oh yeah, and then Harry Dean was there. You're like, God, where wasn't this dude? Yeah. Um, oh shit. The the last one, it's called the Tobolowski Files. T-O-B-O-L-O-W-S-K-Y. For those of you who are listening and watching, want to write it down. His last one was on January 11th of last year, but he did okay. 99 episodes of the show. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, I heard it's good. Oh, I'm absolutely going to fucking listen to Once this. again, I've only listened to a couple of them, so I don't know if the full run of 99. That's This is great. I'm down to start a, something new and have fun with it. So, um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she's so good in the film, right? I mean, like, once again, I was saying this earlier about Darkman while you're in the bathroom, but France McDormand does such a great job about playing these characters that you, these women that you want to, like you connect to the main character wanting to be with her, right? Like in Dark Man, you connect sure. to wanted to find his way back to her and his love of Julie. And then in this film, you really connect with Gene Hackman wanting to help her get out of this abusive relationship with Brad Dorif. Um, and when the beating happens, you are so invested and you care about her so much because of McDormand's performance that it it viscerally fucks you up to watch her getting beat up by him in the way that he does so that you take such joy out of the vengeance that Hackman meets out on Dorif in that barber's chair because of what he did to such a, a good, nice, caring woman in the South, which was, you know, rare to find amongst the Klansmen. So, yeah, I mean, they have a great little character moment with her um, about a quarter of the way through. Mm. She works at a, beauty salon mm -hmm. and she's walking back in through the front door and she reaches out and she like just uh kind of does one of those little grab squeezy things that you do on somebody's arm yeah you say like hi as you're passing but it's a black yep. person when every other white person just won't come within yeah you know however much distance and then there's the lady that comes to do her laundry and she's right. got a baby with and she's yes. holding the baby yeah. and then brad dorf is like huh it's funny and she's like, she looks at him. He's like, they're so cute when they're babies. Oh, man. And you're like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Just the um, uh, the the evil yeah. of a simple statement like that. Yeah, 100%, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, it, it's a great reflection of what this country was going through at mm -hmm. that time. Because it's loosely based on a true story. Yes. Or a real occurrence. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, some of the, yeah, the investigation actually happened, but a lot of the facts were kind of changed. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I, I said this the other day when I was on the show with Dan and Christian for the big thing, we were hanging out talking about the best of 2022. Cause a lot of people are upset about woman King. So it's not, it's not historically accurate. And I'm like, do you have any fucking movies you fuckers own that are not historically accurate that you love so much that you didn't ding that movie for not being historically accurate? So many people love Mississippi burning yet three quarters of the shit didn't happen the way they lay out in the movie. So it's just like, it's about telling the story in a way that's entertaining. Then you'll do the research you hope and actually find what really happened. Sure. The truth of everything that happened. So I always laugh at films that get dinged for not being historically accurate. It's like, of course it's just based on a true story. That's how they get out of it. So to ding a movie for, it not being historically accurate when you like other movies that are historically accurate is hypocrisy of the highest order as a film fan, in my opinion. 
Yeah, he's just looking for a reason to not like the film. Right, exactly. So exactly. hiding under the cover of that. Yeah. Just say you don't like the film. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. Just be honest. Arbitrarily choosing, oh, there's, uh, okay, well, you yeah. could do that with anything. Guess yeah. what? I still love Braveheart. Exactly. It's in right. And yeah. no one should fault you for loving that yeah. if you want to love it. Knowing exactly. that it's full of shit. Yeah. Don't care. Bohemian Rhapsody is full of bullshit and people people loved it. Gave, her, gave him the Oscar for it. So yeah. Yeah. Those people were, you know, wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> he's good in it. Sure. Do I think he's Oscar worthy? No. Right. In that movie, I saw some people decrying the fact that it wasn't best picture nominated and or winner. That's like, ridiculous. You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, no way. That was such a lifetime movie about that band. Yeah. No Elvis was <laughs> twice as good a film. Agreed. And it's not going to get, I doubt it gets nominated. I think it's got an outside shot. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman that plays Elvis, I do not know his name. Austin I think he's Barber. Got an, yeah. There you go. I think he's got an outside shot. I agree. Um, as well. But I think the weird thing is Tom Hanks would get the best supporting if anybody gets nominated. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's Tom Hanks. I don't know if people like his performance at all in that movie, but we'll see. Um, where are we at? Uh, that was our fours. Okay. Yep. What's your three? So my my three is Blood Simple. Oh, I've never seen Blood Simple, so I couldn't put it on my list. That's just one of those black holes that I have that I haven't seen, or blind spots, rather. i got to see it. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, it's a great little... It's it's the best of young filmmaker shoestring budget, mm. hands down. It's like if, if we did a top ten list of that, yeah. Of their budget, I don't even know what it was, but it was not much, and they probably called in every favor they had, yeah. to get like Dan Hedaya, and uh, is it M M Walsh? Yeah, M M Walsh. It? Yeah, because Francis was. An unknown actress. Yes. And it's a a tale as old as time of cheating lovers. And, yeah. you know, Emmett Walsh plays a private detective trying to get to the bottom of all this. Yeah. But then he, it's like a double crossing, triple crossing type situation. And you don't need a lot of budget for this because it's set in just specific locales. You don't need yeah. big spectacle scenes to tell this type of story so it's kind of perfect for a first movie when you don't have all the cash yeah and uh yeah it just it's it's got a great pace to it it's well edited it's well acted um and she is it's one of those where you see her and you're like oh yeah she's gonna be around for a while yeah she's, she's good from the yeah you can just you can see it yeah um now i came to that movie after she was already established so right. it could be through the perspective, I already know she's going to make it. Right. Um, but I still think it it holds. And uh, yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. I'm surprised because it, it, it's the type of movie that's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I know, dude. I, I, buy even, I even have it, no lie. I bought it in Criterion a few months ago because it's 50% off. I was like, this is going to make me watch. I'm going to buy the film. It'll make me watch. I still haven't watched it. I should probably, I, you know what? I should find some time the next week and watch it. For sure, man. Because it's it's only an hour and four uh, hour and thirty six minutes. Yeah, and you doesn't need budget, to be any longer. Yeah, exactly. And the budget was one point five. It made two point seven. I'm surprised it was one point five. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like the best 
young filmmaker trying to get into, you know, uh, yeah. Sundance or whatever the equivalent was in 1984. 84. Yeah. That's when the film came out. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it did the film festival circuit, but yeah. Yeah. And so the confidence, you can see the confidence with the Coens too, as they're directing it. Just they had the, never directed anything. Yeah. They wrote the film and then realized they'd probably have to direct it to make it. But yeah, you know, every once in a while you see these actors pop up in these shorts and you're always amazed uh, when they show up in the shorts. And then when you see them show up in like some smaller films, you're just like, and, uh, you know, at that time, like you said, she wasn't really well known. They probably wasted, they probably spent money on Hedaya and MM at Wash to at least meet the quota. And maybe those guys are trying to get their insurance. So it's like, yeah, sure, I'll do a yeah. week. Plus, you need some film. sort of name. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so that potentially people are willing to watch it. Right. Right. Because if it's all unknowns, boy, that's a, that's a, tall hill to yeah. fucking climb this is 84 too when hedaya and mm walsh were like in everything you know like i just watched the recent cheers episode and like, you know there, there's dan playing carl's carla's ex-husband so loretta <laughs> i can't get Catherine to watch that show for the life of me what what cheers is so good man i know oh. i want to go back and rewatch it because it's just yeah it's a like a you know we can throw it on and there's so many of them that we can watch like two of them and then boom we did we still have yeah ten more seasons. Cheers is like that bag of cookies that you don't want to pull out of the fucking cupboard because you know you're gonna eat half the fucking bag. You, like I was sitting in the the other day I was sitting working on stuff answering emails. Hour and a half passed by and I put it on on Peacock and just like. You know, it was just going and I'm like, yeah. I don't even want to change this. It's just so good. And I almost feel like it's a crime that I'm watching in the middle of the seasons. Like it's like season four or something like that. And I'm like, fuck, why am I, I should go back to uh, the so beginning. You're like, I start from the beginning. You're all Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Shelley Long. Oh, I love Kirstie. I'm a, I'm a bigger Kirstie than Shelley, but I did recently watch some of the Shelley episodes. I'm like, I think I need to give her a little more credit because there are some great back and forths with her. And oh, the dynamic that she has with Ted Danson mm. is excellent. Yeah. Uh, but I think the show was so firmly established by the time that Kirstie Alley comes in that they yeah. already had the rhythm of how to write for everybody else and they could easily introduce her. Whereas right. with the Shelley, you're still kind of slowly figuring things out, especially over the course of the first, you know, half of the opening oh, season. Yeah. Cliff totally becomes a different character as the show goes along from where yeah. he starts, you know. So Best audition story, though. Oh yeah, is this- oh you didn't. So he auditioned, yeah, and uh, had a shit audition. Oh okay, as you he knew he wasn't. Yeah, Ratzenberger just was like I'm not going to get this. And as he's walking out the door, he's like, "Do you guys have a bar know it all?" And they're like, <laughs> "No, we don't." So he was only supposed to be, I think, in the pilot. Oh shit! So they ended up writing the part for him. He and- talked his way onto the pilot. Wow. Yeah. He's the only permanent cast member that didn't do every episode. He oh. did all of them except for one, I think, because wow. of that that fact of right. he wasn't going to be written into the, se- the series full time. So like in maybe episode two or something, he's not in it or something ridiculous. And then eventually they're like, dude, Cliff's too good. Uh, wow. Yeah. <sighs> That's smart. And like man. Kelsey Grammer, when he comes on that show, is like 24 or something, 25. Yeah. He's great is- on the show. 
Oh, he's great, but he already looks 40. I thought yeah, he was you're like, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid and it was on, I was like, oh, he's clearly in his 40s. Look at him, old man. Yeah. But <sighs> yeah, anyway, I'm, I don't want to get into that because it's heartbreaking with any with Kelsey. Um, all right. Periscope uh, down. Is that where he lost you? <laughs> I mean, he's bringing Frazier back and no one is coming back with him. No one of the original series. And it's not for the bullshit that he's talking about that like, oh, you know, they're busy doing other projects. No, it's because he's a raging fucking Republican and they don't want to work with him. It, that His points of views are so fucking, ex- they don't want to work with him. That's what it is. And so this PR of like, well, they've got other projects or blah, blah, bullshit. Because when I was watching Frazier the other night and I'm like, fuck man, him and Hyde Pierce are just so good. It was, oh, yeah. he was with, it was the episode where he's pretending to, be Jewish to imp- impress his girlfriend's mom. And the girlfriend knows he likes Christmas, but he's trying to pretend that he doesn't like Christmas and likes Hanukkah. And David R. Pierce shows up and he's like, uh, oh, all right, we, we don't like Christmas. We don't like, we're, we're Jewish. We don't like, Christmas. he's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Tell me why. And it's just, it's great. And they, they fall right into it and it works. So well. According to Snyder, Jewish people love Christmas. That's his <laughs> Yes, what he told me last uh, last week. God, <laughs> Jewish people love Christmas. No minis. I know many uh, Jewish people who love Christmas for sure. Vogel on the Geek Buddies loves Christmas. So, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I just thought that episode was so great. And this is like, that's a shame. It's a shame people don't yeah. want to come back and work with him. Man. So, but I get it. I get it. I get it. Um. All right. Where were we anyway? Before we get sidetracked here. Uh, that was my three. So, what's your three? Uh, Nomadland. The punt from earlier. All right. Finally watched this film. Man, this film just fucking burrows into you. If you catch it at the right time, it really burrows into you. And it takes a little bit of the formula of of Clint Eastwood where you cast people who are not actors to play certain roles Mm -hmm. to give the film authenticity. The majority of the roles. Yeah, right. Fair. Majority of the roles. Yeah, to give the film authenticity. And it really works. I mean, some of those scenes, like the scene with the kid where she's reading the song, she's telling them the sonnet. The Shakespeare sonnet, the scene with the old man talking about his son and killing himself and how he wants to help his son, like how he honors his son. Um, the stuff with uh, the woman who kayaks, you know, those things. All that stuff is just so powerful. And the journey she's going on dealing with her loss. And I saw someone describe the film as it's a film full of people who don't feel they have a place in the world anymore, finding a, a, a community who understands their displacement and also their need to be a part of this community, which is an interesting line to walk. And uh, I thought this film was so much better than I had anticipated. I thought I was going to be bored or a little bit like unsettled at how they were trying to grab for your heartstrings. It's very real and at times almost too real. And so it's almost veers in a documentary at certain times, but her performance is just stellar man just absolutely stellar so yeah her and uh david strathern oh yeah strathern right yeah and those are the basically the two actors and i thought the woman that played her like the older lady that played her best friend mm, uh, right. linda yeah i think the yeah. character's name was i don't know if that's yeah. actually i think she should do more acting <laughs> i thought she was excellent yeah about quite a few of the others were I appreciate that this is a real person. And yes. They're in good service of this role, playing themselves in essence. Yeah. But they're not awkward in front of the camera, and, and they're able to deliver the lines they need to. 
Um, yeah. But I thought she had real charisma. Linda May. You're right. Linda. Linda's her name. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only. I know the older woman that dies had a weird name. Yeah. Bucci. Yeah. Bletch, Bletchy. Wasn't it something? Was it Brand, Swanky? Was it Swanky? Swanky. There yeah, you go, Swanky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she passes away because they end up throwing the rocks in the fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, to memorialize her, and then that—that's right after that you get the, the Bob RV guy talking about his son. <sighs> yeah, Bob Wells. Uh, yeah, that that's a, wrecked me. That scene wrecked me, dude. Just that's the a good way, scene. Just the simplicity of how he's talking about it, it wasn't. It wasn't attention seeking. It wasn't victim uh, playing. He's just being matter of fact about it. And the I, that line where he's like, I struggle with with those days where I wondered why I stayed on the earth and he didn't. And I was like, wow. I had never, yeah. for whatever reason, I've never seen it quite that way. And it just, yeah, when I live in a world that he isn't in or something, right. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. eloquently put. Yeah. That rocked me, man. Yeah, and when she goes up to see Strather, and you're like, just stay. Just mm-hmm. stay. You can live in your van outside. Just fucking stay. You really want to go work at Amazon again? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, a nice slice of life of people that are mm-hmm. never make it into any kind of film like this. Yeah, yeah. So to get a peek behind the curtain of a life that you don't know is super interesting. Yeah. And I think these movies have to exist. It's so frustrating when I get people are frustrated with the Oscars being like, well, why you give it the best picture of a film? Like there's nobody saw this movie. I understand that. But these films carry a certain weight to them that still needs to be respected. And I think the great popular films must also get their respect. And so I understand where people come from when they have issues with this. But this, there are films that are just so damn powerful, and they need to be recognized in a certain way. And I think this one absolutely deserved it, you know. And I know people are like not a lot of people watch this Oscar ceremony, but I think it absolutely deserved it, you know. It's such a good film. Um, and her performance is great. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it was Oscar Best Picture winner worthy for me. Okay. That was good. I mean, it's on. It's at five on my list. Yeah. True. Very true. Uh, but I think she was excellent in it. Yeah. Yeah, she was so good. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on. What's your two, man? Uh, my two is three billboards. Yeah, that's my two as well. And uh, yeah, going into it, I didn't know what to expect, mm. and I was utterly blown away by how much I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm just got so much impact and the simplicity of just putting up billboards saying, where's my daughter. Right. Right. And the, the impact that that would have on the community and on Woody Harrelson as the sheriff and that they have a great rapport. Oh my God. Yes. Between the two of them. So much so that upon walking out, I was like, God, I hope they make another movie together because they just have a great back and forth between the two of them. Um, But yeah, I was, I was absolutely floored by how much, impact that movie uh, had on me yeah yeah i uh, yeah i was really surprised by the film and um you know it, it took its share of hits from some people but i think the film was an honest film about a situation like this and you know how i've said before like francis mcdormand's energy was so important to these other films because she's this maternal energy or this grounded energy well 
you twist that energy around just a little bit and have that be this battering ram of a mother who wants to get answers from a police force, from a community. And a lot of times, you know, when you look at these stories, we read these stories, it's a woman who's a mother specifically who is wanting to get to the bottom of what happened, who won't quit, who will absolutely risk the slings and arrows from society because she is just a hundred percent dead set in finding out the truth and will take nothing less um, for her to stop. And she does that throughout the whole movie, but there's also these beautiful moments, you know, like when she's seeing that deer or whatever, as she's sitting on the paint can by the billboard and, you know, kind of comes to terms with the loss of um, her child and all of that. It's so perfect in the conversations. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the back and forth with the, how their relationship progresses with her and Sam Rockwell's character is just so good. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Francis has a, is a force of nature as an actress. And so when you get a great role like this and see what she can really bring from her own energy into the role, you're just like, Oh fuck, let me just sit back and enjoy the shit out of this. And so, yeah, she's so good in this film. Yeah. She has a just power. She exudes power mm-hmm. and command. Um, yeah, I just and don't don't fuck with her energy, kind of. Yeah, in the slightest. Mm. And the castings of all the individuals around her just so spot on. Yeah, it's yeah, it is a quality quality movie. And I'll say the Woody Woody deserves more credit for playing these kind of roles where there are there there men who believe one thing but something comes along to change their minds and they do create space to have their mind changed and there aren't a lot of male actors that can play that still kind of alpha male energy but still have those moments where they have to kind of take a look at that alpha male energy and understand that maybe they were off base with it and open the door to another possibility of interpreting things. And so I've, he, he plays that role a lot in a number of films and he never gets the credit for playing those roles, which I think you should, because it's not easy to pull off. So I think Sam Rockwell kind of pulls that off on this one. Mm, Sam does he's, a great job too. Yeah. He's a, he's an idiot. wannabe alpha. But right, right. by the end of it, the transformation of that character seems honest and genuine. That's kind of tough to yeah, pull off because he just seems like he's going to be shit healed the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like, oh, okay. There's there's an antagonist that I'm right. going to despise, and then by the end of it, when he's going off, you know, riding off into the sunset with Francis, you're like, yeah, this is a buddy cop film that I would watch. Let's see part yeah. two. I would watch that. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like, do they actually track down the individual, and then once they do, what do they actually do? Yeah, because I can see actually? him being the one that ropes her back in and be like, you know what, we can't do this because she's yeah. just so enraged. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Morris, so then our number ones I'm I'm imagining are the same. Uh it's Fargo. Fargo, yeah, absolutely. Still the the bar for her. Still. I uh, she carries a movie that uh I mean it's just it's impressive because mm-hmm. there's all these outlandish characters. Yeah. Between William H. Macy and the skittishness that he exudes at all times. Yeah. Watching him fudge those plate numbers because he's, you know, running a little scam on the side to uh, Bushimi and uh, Stormari. Yeah. Oof. 
yeah, those two were nuts like that. I think that could be the only true part of the movie is mm-hmm. the wood chipper. That was a murder with a wood chipper yeah, yeah. up in that, you know, neck of the woods. Uh, but yeah, you want to say you want to harangue a movie for based on a true story. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It opens with this is a true story. None of this is fucking true. It's just a, yeah. utterly based on a, a lie. Or not a lie, but uh, yeah. uh, they're just making it up. It's just to tell a story. Yeah. Um, and she is just uh, just the rock. Yeah, she's the rock that they slam against as she's trying once again, just like in um, Ebbing, Missouri, trying Missouri trying to get the answers here, but in a different way, right? Because in that film, she's much more of a hurt mom, and she knows someone's lying. She knows people are covering stuff up. In this one, she's discovering how big this case gets every single time, and she's the most competent one on her police force. She's pregnant um, and she is trying and she's like slowly but surely uh, getting into crazier and more dangerous situations. That's the thing. As funny as the film is, it's legitimately scary. The shit that happens. Oh, yeah. Moments that she finds herself in and it's her natural instincts, her natural um, police ability that helps her navigate all those situations to where she comes out of it unscathed and still, you know, goes home and is sweet with her husband and has that nice chemistry. And he's a, he's painting mallards and shit. Yeah. It's he's great. on a stamp. What is it? The two cent stamp. Yeah. The two cent stamp. It's great. The balance that she creates. Uh, and then of course there's that weird scene with her high school guy. And yeah, the, the dude that's sitting down who lost his wife. Yeah. It starts bawling right there. It's so uncomfortable. There's a bunch of uncomfortable scenes in this yeah. movie. Yeah. But I know no way does it work without her. As great as Macy is, and as great as Stormari and Buscemi are, without her, no way the film works. She's so good at it. You know. Would you need at least one normal person in amongst, yes. in amongst all these, you know, eccentric characters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave you the plates. I, I sent them over. I gave yeah. you the numbers. Oh, so. As he's spelling the end of his pencil so he can try and write them out again. Uh, the whole time, you're like, hey, every time he compounds his error, yeah, you just want to reach through the screen and throttle him. Be like, just fucking stop. Yeah. And meanwhile, you don't want her to catch him, but you want her to catch him. Yeah, right. And then the, when he does get caught, the squealing and that, oh, my God, just... That's a guy who's like just been in his mind fucked over by life. And now he reverts back to being like a child who's been caught by their parents doing the worst thing and thinks somehow screaming is his way out of it, you know? And oh, it's just heartbreaking to hear that shit. Even though he's, he's a shit heel of a person, it's just heartbreaking to hear that kind of scream. Uh, but that scene where Buscemi gets whipped by the native American dude, like I'm just like, Oh my God, that scene was, it still fucks me up every time I see it, man. It is scary as shit. Yeah, walking, watching him walk around, trying to stop the bleeding. Yeah. His fucking neck and everything. Oh, it's so gross. He buries that money. It looks both ways. Yeah. And it's just indistinguishable from the next. So he puts that scraper in it as if that's going to fucking stay. <laughs> this is my logic. This will work. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Anyway, well, there you go. That's our top 10 uh, Francis McDormand movies. We're going to combine this list and uh, read them off as the official top 10 list now. Let me get the bongos. Mm. All right. So it seems like Fargo, three billboards. Yeah. Uh, Nomad Land, Mississippi Burning. Mm. That's one through four. Okay. And then, so we have commonality on the lower end in Primal Fear and Almost Famous, but that's it. Okay. Do you have a uh, anything in the top five or in the top four that hasn't been used yet? Uh, Blood Simple is my oh. three. Yeah, let's put it there at five. All right, so that's five, one through five. All right. Primal right, Fear time. was what, seven, nine? Yeah. And then Almost Famous was eight, eight. Yes. So you want to save those for yeah, seven I think and eight? Save them for the back half. Okay. Um, my next one is Moonrise Kingdom at five. Do you have a All five? Right. Okay. Uh, my five was uh, Nomad. Gotcha. All right. So Moonrise, um, I think we just go ahead and bang out Primal Fear and yeah. Almost Famous here. Sounds good. So then Primal would be higher because of the 7 9. Mm. Almost famous. All right. Uh, I have my number six. That's my next highs. Oh, I do too. Dark Man. Dark oh. Man versus Raising Arizona. Is this for 10? This is for 9 and 10. Oh, 9 and 10. Okay. Let's get it. So this will determine the final list. <laughs> All right, Dark Man takes it. Oh, Merry Christmas, finally. Uh, all right. the finally, rejoinder was coming, even though you win 50% of the time, but that's fine. That's ridiculous. I don't think the truth often math. is. Cool. I don't think you passed math in school. Um, <laughs> now I worry about how you did the pipes. Now I worry about it. How all right, are we ready? You can come check these fucking pipes, man. <laughs> You can come check them. Not a problem. I already tested the system last night. Everything is, you know, tip top. <laughs> tip top shape. Nothing's leaking. That's all you got to test for. <laughs> um, all right, let's do this thing. The top 10 Francis McDormand movies. Yeah. At number 10. Raising Arizona. At number nine. Dark Man. At number eight. Almost Famous. At number seven. Primal Fear. At number six, Moonrise Kingdom. At number five, Blood Simple. At number four, Mississippi Burning. At number three, Nomadland. At number two, Three Billboards Outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri. I just wrote down three billboards. (laughs) And our number one Francis McDormand movie is? Is Fargo. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, man. Good, good, a lot of great movies from around because there's still some other one like North Country and other ones that didn't make either of our lists, but she's a, a strong part of, and they're decent movies or good movies to watch. So, good career for Frances McDormand for sure. Um, um, yeah, tons of ensemble work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you had people had a different list for what is it, Shortcuts or oh yeah, Shortcuts, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple other movies where she's part of an incredible ensemble type of thing. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are our uh, lists for this week. So if you go see uh, her new movie, let us know what you think of it. And yeah, well. uh, 
You can let us know at Top 10 Show on Twitter. It's all spelled out. And you can go to Instagram and YouTube. It's forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up over there. And you can follow me anywhere at Madnos to check out my other shows called Settle the Score. You can get that anywhere you get podcasts or you can watch it over at YouTube.com forward slash Madnost. There you go. And you can always follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch. And of course, my YouTube uh, channel, YouTube.com slash John Roca says. Uh, and my other podcasts, uh, the, the Cinephiles, the Geek Buddies, and the Hot Mic that are out there for you all to enjoy and have some fun with. All right. Thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And here we go into 2023 with the top 10. We appreciate you all hanging out with us. And thanks to all our patrons who continue to support everything we do here uh, here on the top 10. And if you haven't become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash the top 10 and see what tier works for you. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Ooh.